Tonight on Huckabee, investment guru Charles Marahi, poster Robert Kahaley, filmmaker and producer Kirk Cameron, country and gospel quartet, the Old Ridge Boys. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. everybody. We're so very happy to have you join us. What a great crowd we've got here in our theater. I love it when the crowd has some enthusiasm and life. We check their pulses and every single one of them are alive. We have not one person who has deceased in his or her seat yet. Good way to start the show. And so we are very happy and they're, they're having a good time. You ought to come join them sometime here for a show in person. Now, I am not sure why people who want to be economists, even go to an expensive school and spend years studying something that's really pretty simple. If there is a bunch of something, the price goes down because there's so much of it that the seller needs to unload it. If there is not much of something, the price goes up because the buyer has a hard time getting it and will pay more just to be able to obtain the things that he or she needs or wants. And another rule is this, most people in government, especially the ones who have only been in government and have never been in business or who have never signed the front of the paycheck, they just aren't real smart about how the economy works. They just aren't. And that's why when they tell you they're going to fix the economy, you should know that they're really about to mess it up. And recently, that's just what they've done. Now, what I'm about to tell you isn't so much about Democrats or Republicans or the left or the right. It's about the right and the wrong. And we've got some folks really getting it wrong when it comes to how much it's going to cost you to put gas in your car, heat your home this winter, and put groceries on your table and clothes on your family. For about a year, the government has been paying people to not work. The idea was that COVID and the government-mandated shutdown in fact, did cost a lot of people their jobs. Now, keep in mind, not a single government employee missed a paycheck. Even if they didn't have to show up for work, no one got laid off from the government, and they felt bad that they were getting paid for doing nothing. So they figured they ought to pay others for doing nothing as well. It made sense now when government ordered businesses to close and workers really did get laid off. But when the economy starting to come back again, the employees didn't come back. Some realized that with government benefits, there aren't any taxes or takeouts. And some people made as much or even more money not working than they did working. So they got used to getting up at the crack of noon and watching Netflix all day. And even though there are help-wanted signs on every street in America, people just stayed home. And the government's brilliant idea to fix that, keep 
paying them for not working. Folks, I learned something from raising kids and training dogs. If you want a behavior to continue, reward the behavior. And if you want a behavior to stop, consequence it. If you punish people for working by taking out chunks of their check and taxes and social security obligations, but then you reward others with tax-free income for doing absolutely nothing, more and more people will take the doing nothing option. And remember that when there's a lot of stuff, it costs less, but when there's a lot of need but little supply, it costs more. There is a huge need for workers, but a small supply because people are staying home. So labor costs more. And what does that do? It makes everything else cost more. And because Joe Biden turned off our pipelines and then punishes our homegrown energy industries and our transportation industries because he thinks climate change matters more than feeding your family or how much your gasoline costs, groceries being up between 10 and 20% and having empty shelves in the stores where you shop, you got to work really hard to be that dumb about turning a great economy into one where politicians brag about how much money they're borrowing from your grandkids, while at the same time, nobody can afford bacon and eggs or the gas to get to work. So when the politicians tell you they want to fix the economy, you better vote for some different politicians. Because the best way to fix the economy is get the politicians out of it pay people to actually work instead of sitting home. The economy works when we let the farmers farm, let the builders build, and we let you decide whose business ought to be supported based on what you decide to buy and how much you're willing to pay for it. So you see, you don't need a PhD in economics to understand that. Just some common sense and a government that gets the heck out of your way. Well, you've probably noticed, whether it's at the gas pump or the grocery store, you are paying more these days for everything. But the White House seems to think that inflation is a high class problem, not something that the average American even has to deal with. In fact, in their words, inflation is a good thing. They actually said that. My first guest tonight probably has something to say about that. Famed investor, once ranked the number one trader on Wall Street, according to Barron's, and host of the Charles Mizrahi Show. Would you please welcome back to our show, Charles Mizrahi. Charles, this week, the White House said that this problem of inflation was just a high-class problem. It didn't really affect, as they would put it, the little people. I'm not sure if that's right. <laughs> it's totally wrong. Uh, inflation is, uh, as Warren Buffett called it, a tapeworm. A tapeworm <laughs> on the purchasing power of your dollar. Uh, you have your dollar there, but it just buys less and less. And ask anyone who's gone to the supermarket lately or try to buy a car or try to buy a house or try to fill up their car, all of the prices have just been going through the roof. You make a living helping people to understand the market, the stock market. A lot of people may not realize it. Most Americans are in it one way or the other. They're retirement funds. They may be a retired firefighter, a retired teacher. Uh, the stock market matters to them. 
because a lot of their well-earned, hard-earned money is sitting in that market. Should they be scared? No. You should only be scared if you don't think America has a future, which I do not subscribe to. America has a great future. Uh, we will get over this and we'll get through this. We survived the Great Depression and recessions and president resigned and, and stagflation and a whole bunch of other things. And we're still the wealthiest, greatest, most prosperous country on the face of the earth that we have people lining up at our borders trying to get in. Name me another country where that's taking place now. Well, I can't think of one. So if you just want to remind me that you think we'll survive even Pelosi, Schumer, and AOC, then, man, that's a good piece of news for all of us to hear tonight. I, I, I'm grateful. So when people get concerned, people sometimes say, I got to get out. I just got to sell off everything. Prices are going down in the marketplace. I, I've heard you say it many times. Worst thing you can do. Why? Because when you buy a stock, you're really buying a piece of a business, because that's what a stock is. And you own part of that company. The stock market and the prices every day shouldn't influence you. They're there to help you in a sense of when there's down at really low prices, that's when you should be a buyer, not running for the hills. And when they get really high, that's when you should be selling. You do that in any business that you own. You want to hold on to great businesses. You know, the great businesses continue to compound and make money. And in fact, uh, we were talking earlier that if someone just invested at the worst time, which is October 19th, 1987, the market fell 22% a day, I was not scared, they'd be up 37 times for every dollar they have. Not 37%, 37 times. Each dollar is now worth $37. And so, a lot of people bailed. Oh. And, and especially when it was crashing, right? Yeah, that's the exact opposite you should be doing. You know, Warren Buffett said once again, uh, the way you get wealthy is you're greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. How do people pick what to invest in? You know, I think the easiest thing uh, if people don't want to spend their time uh, researching companies and getting to them, and it really is not as hard as many people think. Let's take a company like Tractor Supply or Dollar General. You don't really have to be a genius to figure out what the business is and what it does. If you're a customer of them, you have a better understanding of what they do and really get where their mission is and how they help and how they provide for society and in rural areas and so on and so forth. So that's what one should do. If you don't have any idea, you don't want to even go that way, just basically put your money in an S&P index fund, which you're taking advantage of the growing GDP of this country, and sit back and enjoy your life. Are you worried about the short-term economic situation of America? Not only inflation, but the labor shortage, the fact that we have empty shelves across the country. Well, you know, we really are having the perfect storm of supply chain. We had, last year, we had COVID raging. And in some of the countries, China and India and other producing countries, they're still not over COVID. So their factories are not running at 100%. Mm -hmm. And commodity prices have gone up, cotton and other supplies that are needed. And there's a shortage of tankers and ship, shipping companies to bring them over. And once you get them here, you have to find truckers. So you have really a perfect storm of all of this. And that's really where we are. Compound that, people are getting paid to stay home and not work. And now it's become a habit for many not to work. Uh, you have really this big, but I want to tell you this, as bad as it might seem, and it might get a little worse, inflation will there because inflation is defined as uh, too many dollars chasing too few items mm. to supply. We're having that. 
supply chains cut. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. American ingenuity, our system of taxation, our system of government, the American people, our country was built on freedom and opportunity. We're going to figure a way out of this and soar even higher. I hope we never forget that. And it's nice to have you here to remind us that America is still a great place to live and a great place to invest in. Charles Mizrahi, thank you very much for joining us. And you can get Charles' new book. I happen to have it right here. I read the whole thing this weekend. It's an easy read, but a very important one. It's called Wall Street Profits for Main Street Investors. What I like about it, he makes it simple for folks like me. His podcast, his social media, and more, all at charlesmizrahi.com. Right now, Keith Bilbrey has a great time investment opportunity for you. He's going to tell you about it right now. Tonight, polling expert Robert Cahaley. Then laugh with Mike's In Case You Missed It news story. More Huckabee is on the way. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Well, President Joe Biden's poll numbers are on a downward slide as crisis after crisis, disaster after disaster, all pile up at the White House. Robert Cahaley is a respected pollster who runs the Trafalgar Group, and his polling was one of the few that actually got it right. He's got an inside look as to why so many Americans are so frustrated with this president. Would you please welcome to the show Robert Cahaley. Robert, good to have you here. Thank you. The poll numbers for President Biden were sky high when he was first inaugurated back in January. And they have plummeted to really disturbing lows. And if I were on his staff, I would be surprised and shocked that they're down to under 37% in some polls. What has happened? You know, for a while, Biden had this phenomenon going on where he was more personally popular than were his policies. Kind of the inverse Trump effect. Yeah. Uh, and so for a while, it, even though his uh, policies on the border, uh, um, canceling the pipeline. They weren't that popular, but people still saw him as a sympathetic figure and, and some, you know, didn't actually think he was that much in charge. But after Afghanistan, we saw his approval ratings drop to meet the approval of his policies. And they never came back. I mean, he, he took responsibility for a shipwreck. And <laughs> from that moment on, it, they were tied together. There wasn't that separation anymore. And we, that separation that used to exist where people thought he was a good guy, but had made some mistakes and maybe wasn't completely in charge is just eroded. And now he is literally feeling the unpopularity of his policies every single issue one at a time. Robert, I happen to know from being in politics that if your numbers really tank, it's really much harder to get them back than it was to get them up there to begin with. What's the likelihood that this is all going to turn around and by the time of the midterms next year, he's back on top? Oh, I don't, <laughs> being on top, I, I don't see him being on top. Uh, I, I do know, and this is something we experienced in Georgia when the big debate during the Georgia runoff was about whether to give the $2,000 or the $600. Those who came out for the $1,400, they, 
that motivated a lot of voters to vote for him because people like getting checks in the mail. Nancy Pelosi yeah. knows this. She blocked yeah. the checks coming before the general election. So if he can successfully spend a bunch of money and put money in people's pockets, they can forgive a lot. Mm. So that's why this fight's so important. Uh, people forget that the money that he's giving away isn't his. It belongs to all of their friends and relatives and to their grandchildren. So, and great-grandchildren. And great-grandchildren in this case, that's for sure. Why does your polls reflect more accurately what's going on? And I'm not trying to flatter you. It's just a fact. Trafalgar polls were way ahead of everybody else. You use a different methodology than the traditional pollsters. So explain that in layman's terms as to why you've modernized the mechanism. Well, and that's just it. It's, it's got to be modern. Uh, we, you know, we refer to what a lot of the other groups are doing as the Pony Express pollsters. <laughs> People are no longer sitting around in the parlor waiting on the phone to ring for a political survey. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, honey, well, this is a political survey. Let's stop it. Nobody does that. So right now, when, 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 you, when you get a phone call or something like that, you know, people are having dinner. They've got kids that are screaming. They're, they're driving home. They don't have time for it. And so these guys are still out there pitching these 20, 30, 40 question surveys. Some of them are 100 questions. Whoa. So average people don't take them. So what you end up having those surveys represent is the opinion of people who are on the extreme of the right or the left or worship people who are bored. <laughs> but average people don't have time for this. So yeah. our first secret, which isn't a secret, is short surveys. We want you to be done with our poll in three minutes. We want to tell you up front you're going to be done in three minutes. We also give people other ways other than just a live phone call. You know, we'll, we'll give them an, an email, a text, and our texts are like text back and forth. And so we know that people answer them a day after they answer part of them, like some of the text ones, they'll answer one day and answer the next one. I think there are probably people who use who answer our polls in the bathroom. Now, we don't ask them that, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I'm glad you don't. That's probably best. They might even do them during the commercials of your show. You don't know. As long as they don't do them during the show exactly. itself, we can handle that. You know, I'm curious. I want to ask the audience, how many of you would take a call from a pollster if it was going to take you 30 or 40 minutes? I don't see a single hand. I guess none of these folks are bored. Good. How many of you, though, would be willing to take a three-minute poll if you knew it was only going to take that long? There's, that's why Robert's polls have proven to be more accurate and reflect an honest assessment of voters. What in your polling right now is showing up as the biggest thing Americans are concerned about? Well, you know, it's funny. It, it started with our Virginia polls is this idea that paying people not to work has screwed up this economy. Mm. People it, believe that then, they're, they're seeing it. Okay. Absolutely. I'm and, happy to hear that. And, and the thing is, the governors who got out front and stopped that money, we saw immediate shoot, shoot up in, in their approval rating, and the governors who sat back and let it continue, those are the ones that, that, that their states continue to suffer. And people will see that correlation. They, they see the idea of the worst thing you can do to America is destroy our work ethic. And people are, are seeing that. They recognize that part of the problem is when you're paying people not to work, it's, it, one, they get pretty picky about coming back to work. Yeah. And, and they're very hard to please, and they, they, they're you know, giving you a list of demands. And that they, you, you've destroyed their incentive. You've destroyed everything involved. And you know, that's why we have all these problems. That's why you know, we built all this entire shipping system that depends on getting things from Asia. And 
people don't want to work and unload anything, and so you get, you get in trouble. You know, Robert, you've given me a great deal of hope between you and Charles Mizrahi tonight. <laughs> I've already come to see that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the long-term future of America because people do have that sense of common sense about them. I know you'd like to keep up with uh, what Robert is doing. I certainly do. I, I find him the single most uh, impressive person out there polling and getting opinions. And you can keep up with Robert by following him on Twitter at Robert Cahaley. Also, check out the TrafalgarGroup.org for all the latest opinion polls. But right now, we're going to let Keith Bilbrey give you his opinion on tonight's show. And it's worth something, too. Oh, it's, it's good. It's real good. Next, laugh along news on In Case You Missed It. Then Hollywood star Kirk Cameron. More Huckabee is on the way. energy that comes out of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Let's give them a big hand. Yeah. The best band in America. They are great. They can play anything, and they do every week. Okay, Keith, we're going to take a look from unemployed wizards to trick-or-treating broccoli, because <laughs> we got what? the news that'll make you say boo on In Case You Missed It. The city of Christchurch, New Zealand, voted to fire the town wizard after 23 years. Ian Brackenberry Chanel was paid $16,000 a year to provide wizardry and wizard-like services, whatever that is. I'm guessing mostly wizard-like services and to promote tourism. But the council decided that a wizard no longer fits with the modern image that they want to convey. Ian said they're a bunch of latte-drinking bureaucrats with no imagination. <laughs> and then he turned them into toads. <laughs> well, he should come to work for the Biden White House, because they desperately need a wizard. And there are plenty of people there who could use brains, a heart, and some courage. So that's... There you go. He may have employment yet. Looking past Halloween, here's what every man is going to want for Christmas. Ever dream of being able to mow your lawn in under 10 seconds? Ooh. Well, Tony Edwards, a mechanical engineer from St. Martin's, England, can do it. He just set a new Guinness record by building the world's fastest riding lawnmower. It's got a Suzuki motorcycle engine. He got it up to just over 143 miles per hour. Wow. He says it can even go faster, but the front wheels leave the ground. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That really can mess up your grass when that happens. Oh, yes, it does have lawnmower blades. That's one of the Guinness requirements. So don't give him road rage. He'll mow you down. Yeah. Uh, but he lives in the desert, so he doesn't have any grass. Well, that's because... It wasn't a desert until he started yeah, mowing it. There you go. It was a lush field, but now it's a desert because <laughs> he mowed it at 143 miles an hour. Wow. Incidentally, the world's slowest lawnmower is still a sheep. 
otherwise known as CNN viewers. <laughs> well, it's time again for the best reason to read the Huffington Post, their annual roundup of the year's weirdest Halloween costumes. No, I'm only kidding. It's the only reason to read the Huffington Post. Now, bear in mind that the poor costume manufacturers are in a really tough spot. Practically every costume these days offends somebody. I, you can't dress up like a cop, a cowboy, or an Indian. Or Trey Corley. No. You can't even do that anymore. Hey, do you know what would happen if the village people debuted today, they all would be in business suits? I mean, mm -hmm. wouldn't they? Yeah. These people don't even know who the village people I are. Know, right? I'm sorry, they don't look that young. <laughs> they just don't. Anyway, this year's costumes are mostly inanimate objects. A lot of them are foods for some reason. First up, we have the avocado costume. Mm. I'm pretty sure one of my grandkids wore that for their food pyramid play. Here's one. I love this. I was with Paula Dean last week. She'd love this. The stick of butter. Butter? Yeah. <laughs> that might offend vegans, but then everything offends them. Now, this one is scary because you can threaten to kill people by raising their cholesterol. That's, that's why right. that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. This broccoli costume could offend you, Keith. Maybe if you rub the stick of butter costume all over it, that would help it some. I don't know. I love broccoli. So I, you know what? I do, too. Yeah, I, I really problem. do. There's some things I don't like. Broccoli, top of the list. Carrots, different story. Oh, you don't like carrots? I eat them every day. Next time I get some, I'll bring them to Thank you. Thank you. Now, there is one costume for us carnivores. You know how your aunts used to say, you're so cute, I could just eat you up. <laughs> well, here's the kid they were talking about. A Lunchables costume. Oh, no. Here's the perfect costume for a kid who's going through the terrible twos. It's called Baby Hulk Hogan. Oh. So if you're going out to hunt for candy, what could be better than dressing up like a cockroach. How about that? Oh, yeah, okay, it's disgusting. But at least you're more popular than Congress. <laughs> <laughs> if you would rather have people feed you quarters than candy, try the stuck-inside-a-claw-machine costume. I kind of like this one. Yeah. And finally, here's one that we made ourselves. It's called... Stuck telling in case you missed it stories. Mm, very true. What a horrible thought that, that would horrifying. be. That is horrifying. Well, thankfully, that's all we have. So before Dr. Fauci shows up and orders us to wear three Halloween masks, <laughs> I'm going to end it right here. But until next time, always remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Absolutely. <laughs> By the way... In case you missed it a couple of weeks ago, 70s R&B group Radio is with us. They performed their hit theme from Ghostbusters, a special online version that happened to include our very own Keith Bilbrey. Now, you can see the entire video on Huckabee.tv. you got to see it. It is perfect for the season. It's a classic. But we wanted to give you just a little glimpse of Keith and some Huckabee backstage shenanigans. Watch.
The scriptures tell us that the keys to what real religion looks like, and the very first one is this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress. When you join the Mission of Samaritan's Purse, that's exactly what you accomplish right here at home and all over the world. Please consider going to Samaritan's Purse website or calling them. Do it today and give a generous gift to help them continue sharing the gospel. Thank you and God bless you for caring. Well, you all know my next guest from the classic sitcom Growing Pains, the Left Behind film series, and many hit movies, including Fireproof and Unstoppable. Well, he's got a great new show, and it's going to be right here on TVN. It's called Takeaways. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron, and welcome to Takeaways. They're saying that atheism has doubled in this young generation. Do you fear uh, Facebook more or God more? Every religious person should ask themselves that question. People told me, well, you could be a mainstream artist if you want to. You might be able to reach more people if you water down my message. Kindness doesn't mean you have to be agreeable. It just means you have to be kind and respectful. Well, let's talk about it right now on Takeaways. Please welcome Kirk Cameron. Kirk, great to have you here. You're starting a brand new show right here on TBN. Tell us about it. What's it going to be like? So <clears throat> I've had the privilege over the last couple of decades uh, being in TV and movies to meet some pretty exciting people. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to be talking to you, by the way, Governor Huckabee. Uh, look up to you a lot. I look up to guys like Ben Carson, uh, and not just in the political world, but you're men of faith. And I've had a chance to have these backroom conversations with so many people from actors and musicians and politicians and authors and men and women of faith. And I always wish it, there was some way that I can include more people on these conversations. You know, I rush home and I tell my wife, honey, you're never gonna believe the conversation I had with so-and-so. Uh, and I tried to convey it and I never seemed to be able to. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to have these conversations out in the open at, with guys like Dennis Prager, with guys like Dinesh D'Souza, with people like my sister, Candace Cameron, and um, Charlie Kirk, and Mike Huckabee, and Matthew West, and others, and talk about art and entertainment. Talk about the power of story to communicate messages of faith, to talk about how politics uh, affect education with our children, and a whole host of subjects, and not just have the conversations, Mike, but then say, okay, what do I do with this? Right, that's that's yeah. great. And Dinesh D'Souza has a size ten brain, and so does so does um, Dennis Prager. But I can't talk like them. What can I take away from the conversation that I can put into action? And so we thought that'd be a great name for the show: takeaways, actionable items from these conversations with fascinating people that can help us change our world. I think that is an exciting idea. I'm looking forward to watching the series. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's sometimes difficult to have a conversation with people without bringing up all the political things that are going on. But it sounds like that the focus of takeaways is not going to be on politics and current events as much as it is the impact of faith and how that changes, whether it changes our, the way we approach art, changes the way we approach politics, or approach sports. Is that a fair assessment of what's going to be unique about the, uh, about the show? I think that's perfect. I, I really think that's perfect. I, I, I like, as a man of faith, to see the world through the lens of the truth of Scripture. Uh, I love, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, I believe, not, I believe in the sun not just because I see it, but because, uh, but because of the sun, I can see everything else. 
And so I, I want to look at the world through the eyes of faith because God's the one who made this world and he can alone tell us how it really works and how we as his image bearers can flourish on the earth. And Jesus prayed, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I've come up with this little phrase of, we're here to heavenize the earth. And we do it not primarily through politics, although that's very important. We, 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 we do that not through military action or through education, although all those things are very important. The world is heavenized by the power of God working through the hearts of you and me as the family of faith as we interact with the world in all of these different categories. And it may be singing and songwriting. It may be making movies. It may be doing a talk show like you're doing. Uh, it may be as a contractor, as a plumber, as a mom, dad, teacher, lawyer, doctor. All of these things, I think, are, are ordained by God. And all of them are critical aspects to shaping a culture that is a heavenly place to live in. And that's what we want for our kids. I think that is great. I love the word heavenize. That's a new one for me, but it's one that I'm going to take and, and uh, use. I'll give you credit, though. And by the way, I want to give you credit for the start of a <laughs> brand new series, Kirk Cameron's Takeaways. Do not miss this new show, especially don't miss the second episode. And to keep up with all of Kirk's latest projects, including his Camp Firefly program, be sure to visit KirkCameron.com. Keith, you got anything else for us tonight? Tell us about it. Next, the illusions of Lynn Dillies and Grammy Award-winning country music group, the Oak Ridge Boys. More Huckabee is on the way. Next week, join Mike's guest, Tia Goins. Welcome back. My next guest is America's premier female illusionist. She's very passionate about getting people out to vote. So to promote voting and her book, Your Vote is Magic, she once made a live elephant and a donkey appear out of thin air. Now, I told her tonight she can skip the donkey. Uh, but please welcome the Merlin Award recipient for Female Magician of the Year, the very amazing Lynn Dillies. Lynn, great to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Governor Huckabee. It's my pleasure. I, I was going to say you could make an elephant appear. We've already got a donkey, but I'm not going to tell you who that is, member of our team, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> you know, I'm excited. We always love magic. And you have magic with a message, so I'm anxious to see what you got for us tonight. I do. I brought something really special for me um, to promote the Your Vote is Magic message. Hmm. So, Governor, if it's okay, I'd like to borrow your imagination. It's, it's yours. Beautiful. Use it any way you wish. Just give it back <laughs> to me. I may need it someday. <laughs> so what I'd like you to do is imagine that this deck of cards okay. is a voting booth. Ah. And there are 52 candidates running for office. Certainly a joker in there somewhere. I know I'm that. Sure yeah. there is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I've gone ahead is I've taken one candidate and turned it around. 
It's the only one turned around. Oh, okay. So as you well know, when you go in the voting booth, you have a free choice who you want to cast your vote for. You uh, are in full control, okay? Uh -huh. So what I'd like you to do is pretend that you're in the voting booth okay. and you have two choices, black or red. Pick one. Black. Black. Okay. Okay, very good. All right. Now you have two more choices, clubs or spades. Pick one. Clubs. Clubs. Okay. And now yet one more choice between um, ace through king. Uh, I'll take the ace. Let's shoot for the top here. Ace. Okay, yeah. the ace of clubs. Let's yeah. open up the voting booth. Mm. Okay. Great. Now, in the voting booth, you had a free choice who you wanted to vote for. I didn't influence your choice at all, correct? You did not. And as, I didn't know you, what can you, were see, as you can see, Governor, we have one candidate turned around amongst all the others and only one. All right, let's check this out. You cast your vote for? The ace of clubs. The ace of clubs. I would say your vote is magic. It's the ace, ace of, of clubs. clubs. <laughs> I did not conspire with Lynn before the show. I did not. That's weird. <laughs> it's an illusion. <laughs> well, it's a good one, I'll tell you that. You should go into politics, because most of it's an illusion, too. <laughs> it sure they is. Take our money, and they make it disappear. <laughs> Here you go. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> OK. At least I've proven that a Democrat and Republican can get along in a confined space. That's right. They that did illusion. that. Yes, yes they, they did. did. They did. So I have one more really important message to share with you okay. and your viewers. Thank you. There go the cards. All right. What you're about to see is a miracle within a miracle. Years ago, when I was working on something new for my show, the most extraordinary thing happened. I had taken my illusion to a secret place in New York where magicians bring their ideas and turn them into reality. We call it a dream factory. And one day, without any warning, the craziest thing happened. A nightmare took place. A massive flood came rushing through this wonderful place, sweeping away just about everything inside into the Hudson River. When we checked on the damage, the only thing remaining intact was my illusion. Sitting upright on a table unharmed with a single beam of light shining on it. It was so amazing. I still get goosebumps when I tell the story. And the thing is, back then, I didn't know why it survived. But now I think I do. With all of the challenges that we are facing in the world, my illusion can show us that we work better together than apart. I'll use my arm as an example. Governor Huckabee, could you examine my arm, please? Sure. Make sure it's an ordinary arm. It's an ordinary arm. Very good. Yes. Now, on that table, you'll notice are two blades. Yes. If you could hold them and show them to the audience, they represent the divide in our country. Okay. And hand one to me. All right. Thank you. That's going to leave a mark. Oh. Now, Governor, you may take the second blade and insert okay. it right inside of the box. I get to do that, huh? It's okay. I won't have any separation anxiety. Oh. Perfect. Oh, I see blood. No, I don't. That is That's good. Wow. 
Now, I see your arm there, but I don't see... Okay. Now watch. Okay. You see, folks, when we divide ourselves, we can't thrive. Hmm. We can't function. It's that simple. The way that we can survive difficult times is to remove what divides us. Heal each other and become one. Wonderful. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. But I want to tell you, I believe she did it. I just don't want to stick my arm in that same spot. But you can see more from Lynn Dillies and also get more information about your Vote is Magic campaign. And there's a lot more that you would be, well, well advised to go to her website, themagicoflynn.com. What a cool, cool guest you have been. Thank you, Lynn. Right now, Keith has got the goods on what's next. He's going to give us his magic right now. Oh, it's going to be magic. Coming up, country music superstars, the Oak Ridge Boys, right here on Huckabee. Everybody, the Oak Ridge Boys' four-part vocal harmonies and their chart-topping hit songs have earned them multiple Grammy, CMA, ACM awards. They've just had 50 years of performing concerts together, and it's earned them the reputation as exciting entertainers with hearts of gold. Let me also say this to you. You may hear that the James Brown, the late James Brown, was the hardest working guy in show business. Not true. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. The really, truly hardest working people in show business, Dwayne Allen, Joe Bonsall, William Lee Golden, and Richard Sturban, the Oak Ridge Boys. When, when I talk about you guys, I just say, you are America's band. You, you represent to me, the very best of this country. And I love the fact that you just are tireless out there. I follow you on Twitter. I love to see the fact that you can't wait to get on that bus and go somewhere. I'm just amazed you're still not tired of it. So well, William, how do you keep doing this? Well, we're headed out tonight when we get off of here. <laughs> <laughs> we're headed to Branson for two days, then uh, up in Indiana, then uh, three days in uh, Ohio this weekend. So. Uh, working six days this week, so we're out there still hitting it. Richard, you know, one of the things I love about the Oaks, you're attracting a younger audience. It's not like that all your fans are my age. We certainly are, but I've got friends that are very young, believe it or not, and they love themselves, the Oak Ridge Boys. How have you been able to relate to people of every generation in this country? You know, I think we 
love the uh, creative process of creating new music. And we are now working with a great young producer here in Nashville, Dave Cobb. That name will probably ring a bell. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he has taken us down some roads musically that I think young people can identify with. You know, he's a master at sometimes taking old songs and making them sound new and making them sound like young people like to hear, you know. And so, so I think we have to give him as much credit as anybody. You know, and we work very hard at it, you know. Well, it's nice of you to give him credit, but there's still only one Oak Ridge Boys band, and you guys That's are true. it. Yes. Joe Bonsall, you've got a brand new album that I'm very excited about, some terrific songs on it called Front Porch Singing. I love the fact that one of the ways you can get it is in vinyl, and it's got some wonderful photos of the band. But something about vinyl, and maybe I'm old school, but tell me about this project, Front Porch Singing. Well, you know, you mentioned the, um, the, the shutdown. And in March of 220, we were playing Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we just played the other night, by the way, strangely enough, yeah. kind of a full circle. But we had heard the rumblings of the virus or the possibilities. We started hearing those words, social distance and all that stuff. But we had no idea that when we got home from Myrtle Beach that our bus was going to park and stay parked mm. for months and months and months. So we decided we, we need to get together and do something, man. This was August of 220. We'd been off the road now for five months. We have got to sing. We've got to make some new music. We've got to get together and do something meaningful. And the young producer he was talking about, Dave Cobb, yep. his idea was front porch singing. Four Oak Ridge boys on the front porch singing old gospel, new gospel, old country, new country. Songs written by some of the finest writers of today illustrating a good feeling which is the kind of stuff we need right now. And that, that was the whole impetus behind. I love the selection of songs. Some of them are songs I haven't heard in decades, and they're still fresh. They're still fantastic. You're going to be doing one of them for us here. Dwayne Allen, uh, you guys have a big project coming up at Christmas. You're going to be in residency at the uh, Gaylord Opryland Hotel for a, almost, what, a month of Christmas shows. We start November 24th, and we sing all the way through Christmas night. Wow. And we get to come home and put our shoes under our own bed. It's kind of unique. We go home, yeah. and the people that come to see us stay in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get a taste of what you guys have to do. Kind of reverse. Uh, guys, I just want you to know, there's nobody that I have greater respect for than you, because you love what you do. You love your fans, and you give them 110% every time you walk on a stage. I think that's why you've lasted like you have, and people still love you, and thank they you, can't sir. wait to line up and hear you. Yeah. Well, we feel so, the same way about you, Governor. Well, so thank happy you. To you have love you. America. We're so happy to have you in Hendersonville. Thank you. I am honored to be part of the same community where the Oak Ridge Boys call home. Hey, Keith, tell us how we can get our hands on the Oaks music, because folks are going to want this. What a great Christmas gift this would make for somebody. The Oaks Christmas in Tennessee runs November 24th through Christmas Day in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. Get your tickets at oakridgeboys.com. While you're there, be sure to get your copy of their new album, Front Porch Singing. Now, after the show, go to huckabee.tv to watch a digital exclusive performance of Old Ways by the Oaks. And now, here to perform along with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass are the Oak Ridge Boys. We wish you love, life, healing, home, family, and faith. We 
all need love, life, and healing. Home, family, and faith. We all deserve love, life, and healing. Home, family, and faith. Let's pray for love, life, and healing. Home, family, and faith. We pray for peace. We pray for calm. We pray for open hearts and open arms. Please grant us mercy and happiness. Let us rejoice in the joy we have. We wish you love, life, and healing. Home, family, and faith. We all need love. We ask for wisdom. Please grant our spirits. It's all we've been given. Please embrace us. Help us do the good. Help us do what's right. Lead us to the truth. We wish you love, life, and healing. Let's pray for love, life, and healing. Home, family, and faith.